2: Hey, hey, hey. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Grinding to Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab. And today, they're a big Top Fox. Right, but before we get into this episode, we want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just type in grinding to crime Follow our page, like our page, subscribe to our page, leave a comment on our page. We'll get back to you as soon as possible and also if you want to listen to us on your podcast stream all you have to do is download podbean, spotify, anchor, itunes, pandora, podvine or zencaster and if you're outside of the US which we appreciate the love continue to listen to us on radio public breaker, pocketcast and podchaser. Um <clears throat> excuse me. If you like what you hear and you want to support what we do, you can become a Patreon member just uh Download the Podbean app, and there you can click on Patreon and you can subscribe to be a Patreon member. Anything that you donate, we greatly appreciate it. Quick announcements. Um, this February, um, obviously, this February, February, the first Sunday of uh, February, we'll be going back live. Uh, we're going back to our normal time, which is 9 a.m. Pacific time. So that means you early birds don't have to wake up uh, so, so early. And those who are outside the U.S., you don't have to stay up so late to listen to our podcast like we used to. We're going back to our normal time, which will be 9 a.m. Pacific time. Last announcement. We were just discussing amongst the three of us. And guess what? We got some good news. Hopefully, by March, if not April, the latest, we will be updating our merch. We'll be getting more merch and we'll be also doing more um uh, sales with our merchandise as well. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we're going to probably have some more t-shirts and also sweaters and all of the cool things. So be on the lookout for that. We might even update uh, and have a website ready for that time. But in the meantime, for sure, we're definitely going to update our merch. So be on the lookout for that. We're definitely going to be updating our merch for you guys. And for our fans, we appreciate all that you do. And obviously listeners discretion is advised. Because we can't go into details that is not suitable for children or for a certain audience. And if you are sensitive to certain things or you don't like to hear us joke and laugh, turn the radio off. <laughs> the
1: radio. <laughs> oh,
2: not the radio. I'm sorry. Turn your <laughs> phone off or whatever you listen to. You know what I mean, that <laughs> day With all that being said, you heard me talk enough. Todd, take it over, man. You got the floor, brother.
0: Well, we're going to start at North of the border. In uh Canada, which is uh just outside New Brunswick, in between uh the providence of Newcastle. Uh it's north of the border, Niagara Falls on the east coast of New York. Oh, okay. Um this this area is called, and it, it's gonna be hard for me to say because it's really hard for even the people that were doing the story outside of uh, uh Canada. Obviously, it's called Amir Machi. Amir Machi? Mir Machi.
2: Miramichi,
0: yeah, Miramichi area. Um, it's a it's a lakefront area by Newcastle, uh, which is basically um, along the coast, fisherman type town, and uh, it runs along this this river, the Miramichi River. And there's you know uh, it's it's not the most um, what do you call it rich or upscale area. It's mostly uh, poverty, uh, low income housing, stuff like that.
2: The projects,
0: not as bad, but for, for <laughs> they, they can't even afford maple syrup right there. You know. Oh Dang. gosh!
1: They're yeah, getting the talk. sugar.
0: They're getting the sugar free stuff. You know uh, right. <laughs> dude? <laughs> uh, yeah, they're not even using real hockey pucks. It's like the now that, that, that's bad.
2: You yeah. know what, man?
0: Don't don't disrespect the hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this uh. You know, in the in the nineteen sixties and seventies, it was kind of bad. It's gotten better over the last, oh, I'd say twenty years. But our story's mostly gonna be in the eighties, so get your Delorean ready to go back in time. Um, and mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna start with someone born uh, February thirteenth. His birthday's coming up here pretty soon. Nineteen forty eight. Uh, Alan Legier would get his start in. Chatham, New Brunswick, just outside of the Miramichi River. Um, His mother and their small home would rent out rooms for workers or fishermen that were working up and down the river. Um, He would have three siblings born to his mother before him from different men who would stay at the lodge. So this gives you an idea of what his mom did as well as housing the men that would come off the river mm-hmm. so in all there was four kids two brothers or one brother for Alan and two sisters mm. and they were all from different men how's
1: that not surprising
0: yeah I mean how many times Gabby do we do a story and there's some effed up childhood you
1: know it's probably 99 percent of our stories
2: pretty
0: much (laughs) exactly well this one fits right in with all of them so here we go yep so um his mom was very promiscuous and his father was one of the the lodgers um and as soon as he found out she was pregnant he was like deuces he was out dang
1: (laughs) that's
2: that's jacked up but it was the way you said it (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) I, I imagine like a Hulk Hogan looking guy, you know, like a Terry Bollea, like a, but with like a plaid, you know, dress shirt on with an axe over his. Face. Time to go, brother. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> what, what, what you gonna eat tonight, brother? And then she's like, stop calling brother. And then she's like, you can't call me brother if I'm pregnant. Okay, brother, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going to WrestleMania. He was gone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh he was wrestling
0: (laughs) (laughs) he sure did uh so um yeah he did not have the most respect for his mother growing up obviously because even
1: example i mean
0: (laughs) yeah i mean because even as a kid you you know what your parents are up to and if it's something shady it's like "Mm," you know Mm -hmm. so um alan this would affect alan because of the promiscuous stuff now he he was asked if he was ever molested or touched and he says no but i'll let you guys maybe have a theory upon this because he would just out of nowhere start getting his jollies around the age of 11 12 years old Now it could be puberty or it could have been he was exposed to something sexual on him because it's one thing to see something but it's also something to act on it so i don't really know where his mindset was but he admitted later on that he started to get a voyeurism mentality because he would watch his sisters get dressed and undressed in front of him mm. so okay so we're talking girls that are probably his sisters are probably around like between 13 and 15 they're they're in puberty themselves and he's just entering it so it could be that just they should have had their own rooms and they're all in one room and he's seeing stuff he shouldn't see.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't think, I don't know. See, I, I know somebody and I know some people where it was normal to like be in the bath with your dad and your mom and everybody's naked. And that was something natural. It wasn't sexualized, Mm -hmm. but then you got people who expose kids to sexual things. And then, They don't, like, teach them privacy between female and male. So, I mean, I wouldn't have allowed my son to watch my daughter's get dressed. Like, it's, or vice versa. Not in the world we live in.
0: Absolutely, because you can't use that clip from... Kindergarten cop anymore either, where it says boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. Now it's like boys have a penis until they have a penis, and then it's cut off, and then it's a vagina. So well, I mean, <laughs> <know. laughs> you had to go there. You had to, go, had to go there, right? Yeah, I had to go there. Sorry, you had to do it. <laughs> so um yeah, I'm just trying to get my jokes out while we can before it gets hairy. Um, exactly. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> you're on,
1: you you on a roll,
0: man. I sure am. <laughs> um so anyway, he in school was a little developmentally challenged as far as like he didn't get the best grades. He would often come off to other kids and teachers, if he didn't like you, just a mean old jerk. But if he liked you, he really liked you. Like he was he would do anything for you and he was like the sweetest kid so even when bipolar wasn't a thing he was the epitome of bipolar at that point
2: Mm.
1: so he was one extreme to the other
0: exactly and um he had artistic um touch as far as painting and coloring so he had some skills you know but um but he was really weird so um he had that going for him. And as he was in his teenager years, him and his older brother got really close. They went fishing a lot. They went hunting. Uh, they, you know, played sports or just hung out. And he looked up to his older brother. Yeah. But something happened which really was a crossroads for young Alan. And one day there was a big bridge that goes over the Miramichi River from one side to the other. And his brother was walking on the sidewalk side of the bridge when a truck lost control and smashed and killed his brother against the bridge. Ooh. He lost his brother and his best friend all in one day. Um, basically, a scene out of a movie, he says, when he gets home and everyone's, you know, the news has been broken to his mom and she's still stunned or whatever, And they have other family, uh, not family members, but people around the Miramichi coming over and trying to, like, console the family. Because it's big news. It's a small town. Alan is right there. And out of nowhere, his mom in front of everybody says, what do you think?
2: Why couldn't have been you.
0: Gabby?
1: You know, it came to my mind. Walk the line. Johnny Cash's dad saying he took the wrong son. Yeah.
0: You two are both right. She literally said, Why couldn't it have been you?
1: That is sad. That's
2: jacked up. That was the first thing that came to my mind too. Johnny Cash walked line.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good uh good call by both of you right there. Yeah. But um he this would change everything for him. Um because she didn't just tell him that one time, she told him often. Oof. And he began to just say, you know what, F it. And he went out and started doing petty theft. Uh, getting caught, then not getting caught, stealing things, intimidating kids, trying to jack them. He got into fights uh because of that. And he wasn't the biggest kid. So when he did pick a fight, when he did try to intimidate, sometimes he bit off more than he could chew and he got his butt kicked.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So then he would also uh start becoming a voyeur, which he would go to, you know, homes in the neighborhood and start peeping. On these women, and a few times masturbating outside their window. That's
1: not surprising.
0: Well, yeah. What was surprising for him is sometimes he couldn't finish, literally, because the husband or a brother or a uncle would come out and beat the living snot out of him.
2: Yo, that yeah. Hey, good. Not not to cut you off, man. But that's that's a terrible way to get beat up. One (laughs) one thing on your hand, your hand on one thing, and you can't even. (laughs) You I can't even hope... finish and enjoy yourself. Like that.
1: Babe, you <laughs> yeah. was being disgusting.
2: I'm just saying. I'm just that's a horrible I'd, way I'd to mean... get your
1: butt whooped. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I... man. Let me put my thing away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't take the thing away.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm impressed if he did that during the winter because then, you know. Oh. Frostbite. Frostbite.
2: <laughs> everything blue. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. <laughs> i mean if he can keep it up in in the winter i mean that that's 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 one hell of a sex drive right there hey (laughs) we're not condoning what he did though we're
2: not condoning what he did it's just man he's superman
0: and he got his (laughs) ass kicked and that's good you know he deserves absolutely yes absolutely
2: yeah because everyone should respect everyone's privacy
0: absolutely so in the neighborhood, he he was now turning into the creep of the neighborhood, uh, creep of Miramichi. So he had to get out of there because he kept getting arrested and then the RCPMD or whatever there was up there, the Royal um, Mounted, um, I think it's RMC, I forget, they have a lot of letters. Anyway, uh, the Canadian police said, uh, said hey, hey, don't be doing that so much, hey, you gotta calm down, stop pulling your wang out, okay? And then they, <laughs> they let him out. And uh he's like, okay, screw it. I'm gonna go to Ontario and start a new life, which he did. And he was tired okay. of he was tired of getting all these uh into all these issues. Now he goes to Ontario, becomes a car salesman, the only legitimate job this dude ever gets. Mm. And he hooks up with a woman and he gets her pregnant, and they get married right away. And uh
1: Oh,
0: I and, thought he was going to be like his dad. No, no, no. He he gets he marries this this uh this woman, and has it you know has two kids, and uh, you know uh, end the story right? It's over, right?
2: You would you would think so.
0: <laughs> nice. No, he, he settles down for a couple years, just enough to get planted in Ontario, have the family, get a place, but he's just busy cheating on her like you wouldn't wow. Be- wow and she finds out and rightfully so what do you think happens she divorces him right
2: i'm going to say she sticks
0: with him no she divorced him but th- Wait, with, really but see he's shocked he's like how can you how can you like how can you like divorce me eh like like i only cheated like 67 times eh
2: Sixty-seven times.
0: <laughs> I'm just throwing a number out there. I know, <laughs> but this guy was, you know, just like his father, just in and out, and but couldn't settle down. And he was shocked that she divorced him. And I think one of the triggering points is he wasn't that close to his kids, but the fact that she had control and took the kids and booted them out. That sent him down a bad. Spirally, conclusion of death. Couldn't come up with the right analogy. Sorry. Um. So, where do you go from here? You're in Ontario. You got. You don't know if anybody over there. You know, like like his friends. He's he's got any kind of friends or families all in the Miramichi. So he comes back to the Miramichi at 37 years old. So
1: he never saw his kids again.
0: Nope, never saw him again. Wow. Yep, never never cared to see them again either. Dang. So
1: he didn't fight that.
0: No, not at all. So um he got back into some petty theft and he was trying to get pie again. And he at this point he's almost forty and a loser. Like he's got nothing going for him. And um he's in town and he befriended a couple by the name of John and Mary Glendoning. Uh, cool. they, they owned a shop above their apartment so I don't know if you guys can picture like one of those places downtown like in a small town or city and it's that, like got a shop and then a, like a, a living quarters or apartment mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those mm-hmm. so he needed a job and as he befriended them they felt sorry for him and since none of their kids live close they are out of state now um, or out of the country even um, he would do oddball jobs for them, uh, clean up around the store. Uh, he did things, uh, got real close to the two. They started treating him like a son, you know. And he was feeling kind of comfortable with them, and they were feeling comfortable with him. Um, So, or with them and then him. And So John did not trust Banks, the, the husband, and he kept all his money in his safe in their apartment above their shop. Mm. So you can kind of guess where this is going. I don't like it so far. Yep. So Alan, not with a real steady job, just like, you know, doing oddball stuff, helping them out, whatnot, working here and there, decided that it's going to be his next opportunity. So John, uh, being 66-year-old, was not in shape uh, all that much at that point in his life. Uh, and Alan Legier being over six feet at this point and a little bit bulky now because his time in the pen, he had been doing a lot of weightlifting. Mm. Um, his plan was to enlist the help of two people to help him take the safe physically from the house to a safe place and then break into it. Now, the, the safe was supposed to be upstairs but he found out that it was moved downstairs to the shop so he figured i'm not gonna mess with a couple i'll break in downstairs with it with the uh with my friends and it was mm-hmm. and 19- eight year old todd Mached and yeah 18 year old
2: oh 18 oh, oh, oh i heard eight. <laughs> Oh, my bad 18 year old Okay, 18 okay
0: 18 year old todd Mached Mich- and 19 year old scott curtis
2: What's what were you doing there, dude? What's a 37 year old grown man doing with an 18 year old and a 19 year old?
0: Well, these guys were those two kids. You know, you know how you always go to a 7 Eleven or a liquor store and you got teenagers out there asking you to buy booze? Mm-hmm. Those were the two kids.
2: Mm, makes sense.
0: Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> but, 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 Apparently,
1: Todd was one of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was actually back in the day. <laughs> um, but no, these these two these two kids not only were doing that whole, you know, buy me a drink thing at a liquor store, he befriended them. He offered them smokes, they got to be good friends. They actually started robbing people too together because these two had a prior conviction going back to 15 years old for both of them. Like they were both juvenile offenders, so they fit in with a 37-year-old Alan Legier. Makes sense. So um again, the safe was supposed to be downstairs at this point and the three broke into the the store no alarms set off everything was good but at some point they realize it's not there and that john must have moved the safe back upstairs Hmm. so not wanting to give in the two boys todd and curtis told him hey man Let's just steal whatever's in the cash register, steal a few things from the store, and let's get out of here. Alan was like, no, I know there's a- thousands of dollars in there, or whatever they call the Canadian currency, and we're going to go through with this. And so they figured they'd sneak upstairs, the couple would be asleep, mm-hmm. but unfortunately both were watching TV at the time. hmm they broke
1: more covered. Say again, like they weren't covered. The the guys stealing were not covered.
2: We they had no ski mask or anything.
0: No, they did not. They walked in. Okay. So, basically, if they were seen, they were going to be identified because it's a small town. So, you know what happened next? Mm. Um The trio ambushed John right away and they started beating him up and asking for the whereabouts of the safe but he in their haste to beat him up they knocked him out mm. so he's bleeding out on the floor in a bad way mary before she could scream her you know her um they covered her mouth they started beating her and unfortunately it doesn't say which one but or how many of them did but she was sexually assaulted Oh, uh, and she's she an in,
1: older woman,
0: she's in her 60s. Wow, she was beaten with a phone and with a uh, le- uh leg to a chair, and uh, really? her husband passed away from the beating as he was tortured for the safe, which they never got. Wow. Uh, they then decided to set the apartment on fire. And as they did, though, they left across the street. Someone saw them and they called the fire department and they got there, is, you know, quickly to put out the fire. And fortunately, Mary was still alive. Oh, she, wow. She had she had just completely passed out and they thought she was dead. Uh, they rescued, firefighters rescued her before the flames got to her, and she wound up surviving and was able to positively identify all three. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so um, the, what happened is they gave the, the 18-year-old 10 years in prison. They gave, uh, what is it, uh, Curtis 18 years. And they gave uh, our boy Alan 25 years to life. Mm. So,
1: I'm guessing this is not the end of the story, though.
0: <laughs> ding, ding, ding! <laughs> yes, because this is this was in 1986, and um, if you know Canadian law, they don't put anybody to death. Number one, and number two, when they say, "Hey, you're going, you're going to never see the light of day." You're going through jail for for life. And then you're like, I sound like a Canadian Mexican, huh? You do uh, sound like
2: a Canadian Mexican. <laughs> <I go. laughs> or Hispanic. I was there you go.
1: Mexican, <laughs> no, Mexican would be right because of the accent. Oh, he, okay. he sounds totally <laughs> Indian.
0: I'm just going to give up on that already. Sorry. Tried. Hey, hey, hey.
1: hey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, uh, but no, he... Um, 25 years to life is literally the limit that you, you can't go any higher than 25 years
1: why that's canada
2: for you
0: that that's just canada that means life to them. that's
1: like you're just encouraging people to do stupid things but actually canada is pretty safe
0: really <laughs> that we know of that we know of yeah that we... <laughs> so um we uh we're gonna fast forward here and we're only gonna fast forward three years till
1: nineteen eighty-nine. Oh gosh.
0: And we we have a date, May third, nineteen eighty-nine.
1: Wow. I was three years old.
0: Yep.
2: I was yeah, I was born.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I, I was boring. nine. Um dang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um May third, nineteen eighty nine, to be exact. Um It's just a couple years after Alan was uh, being quiet to himself as a model prisoner. He was just reading books, working out, getting bigger and bulkier. Alan began to uh, complain of a pretty bad ear infection. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what had happened was this wasn't a random ear infection because of cold in Canada prisons. It was because he would take a paper clip randomly in the library and start poking at his eardrum and oh, he, wow. he would take dirt from outside start rubbing it into the wound in his ear he, he would even, He would even take his own piss and start like leaking it into his ear through some, I don't know, cup or whatever he was trying to get it as infected as possible so wow. it started getting pussy his ear was blowing up he couldn't hear he was in a lot of pain so he finally can uh convince the doctors or the medical staff at the prison like hey we need to take him in for some treatment he needs more than just antibiotics he might need some surgery we're going to check him out right so
1: sneaky bastard
0: exactly and what do we have north of the border i mean is there another name for johnson up there (laughs) (laughs)
2: uh, (laughs) I ain't gonna say it no no, Johnson
0: (laughs) I mean (laughs) listen to what happens this is crazy so these two guards take Alan not too far from the prison either it's not even that far it's to a hospital it's maybe even a few miles from the hospital in a van in shackles mind you he he has handcuffs they have no weapons. What? They are armed with pepper spray.
2: Hey, that can do some damage.
0: This is a murder. <laughs> this is a murderer right here, man.
1: You should have seen his face when he said that. They,
0: he couldn't keep a straight face, could he?
1: No.
2: <laughs> hey, man, I've been pepper spray before, man. It didn't take me out, but it, it hurt.
0: Well, yeah, I mean... I mean but but a guy like this and you got determination, I mean, we've seen it before. I mean, pepper spray doesn't. It oh, either... yeah, pepper
2: spray. Yeah, if you're, if you're determined or you're, you're on something, yeah, pepper spray ain't nothing.
0: Oh, yeah. And see, Allen had been working on this plan for quite some time, as you'll find out here, mm. is because the Johnsons are like, hey, he's in shackles. We don't even need guns. Like, yep, we just got this pepper spray right here. This should do it. <laughs> they fine. so they take him uh to this place and he says uh um hey man i, I gotta use the rest mate and so they say okay so they t- he goes i can't hold my wang if if you got my hands in, in the shackles eh and so they take the shackles off of his feet yes but they still like they put his handcuffs over his stomach. You know how they have them behind his back. Mm-hmm. They put him back on in front of his, in front of his stomach, so he could hold his wang. Now, here's the thing: I don't know how he did this, but <laughs> over the months prior to this incident, he had made a key out of metal from, like, I guess, a knife or a fork. You know, I didn't know they were still given, you know, it was something from the prison he shaved down and he had tested it and it had worked on handcuffs. He made a homemade key.
2: Look at this MacGyver.
0: Yeah, and that's not even a half of it. So he shoved that homemade key up his arse. Ooh. And that's not the only thing. So back then, before flat screen TVs, young kids, there was these TVs that you needed antennas because there was no cable in certain areas.
1: Antennas. <laughs> antennas. Put <laughs> a
2: little on it.
0: And they would extend. They would start real small and you'd have to extend them like rabbits. Mm-hmm. So he broke one of those off of the, the prison TV mm. without, without being noticed. And he proceeded to push it down to where it got as small as it could, maybe about a good six inches. And well, that went right up his arse as well.
1: Oh, he took off six inches. Oh, he took six inches. All right.
0: <laughs> he took it like a champ. Yo, no. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> so, um, he put it up his backside. And so, when he went to go use a restroom, he was able to, I don't know, dig or however it was. But he got the antenna and the key out of his butt. And he was able to unloose his shackles on his hands. He pulled out the TV antenna to use it as a weapon.
1: Ugh. oh, Stinky and everything. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so, picture this. Two I don't want to. <laughs> I'm going to make you picture it, damn it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. So... Picture two Johnsons outside of a bathroom door <laughs> waiting with pepper spray and probably reading the newspaper about the hockey scores. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the door flies open. Alan's in a fit of rage. He's still in his blue or orange jumpsuit waving an antenna that smells like, you know what? Mm. And yeah. they they start to pepper spray him. And, again, he's a big dude at this time. It doesn't even affect him he, He hits the the cops with the antenna. If you hit somebody with that metal antenna, that's gonna hurt. You know, it's at least gonna whip you. You know, (laughs) they're all ow. Ooh, that smells. Ow! Oh
2: god! And that ain't maple syrup
0: on that thing. Oh (laughs) god, no! No. Mm. So, uh, yeah, he um, he beat him, and they tried to chase, but he shut the door, he threw objects like in a movie, and he jumped into a woman's car and held well, held her at uh, antenna point, I guess, threatened her. Oh, at stinky antenna point. She's like, Ew. yeah, she's <laughs> like, where do you want me to drive? Just hurry up, I want to get there, you know. <laughs> they took off, and um. <laughs> first of all man them antennas weren't that thick
2: they were the nice size but then he he beat two i don't
1: get how that's a
2: weapon he beat two officers with that antenna i get the smell
0: but really (laughs) i'm looking i'm just (laughs) telling you what happened man i mean this is really (laughs) i don't know if he had some superpowers on that or but whatever worked it it did and it got him it was
2: the rarely (laughs) (laughs) staying
0: game so these officers had no way to fire back at him take him down nothing and uh they were i don't know if they were fired, women but yeah they should have been after that um but as he had the woman drive for a couple miles he told her to pull over and that he wouldn't mess up her car that he would just hey i'm gonna i'm gonna uh ditch your car i won't hurt you i won't hurt the car and he held up his promise he dropped her off He took her car to another gas station before leaving the car and the keys in the car safely. Um, what a gentleman. Yeah, he would at that point, (laughs) uh, he goes into the woods and he finds a, a home or sleeps overnight as the cops are looking for him. And he breaks into a home on May 10th and he steals some family's belongings that they're not there. And he takes their car and he takes off. Um, so they're looking for the other car but he has now another car he so he's been going back and forth. And uh
1: well, they're nowhere near catching this guy.
0: No, they're they're nowhere near <clears throat> at all. And um at this point his mindset is everyone has screwed me over. Everyone thinks I'm a joke. Um uh, I'm going to show them. So Oh. Here's where his rampage starts. <clears throat> May 29th, 19 days later, Annie Phalem and her sister-in-law uh Nina Phalem uh were lived above the same kind of like store as the other couple. Mm-hmm. They had, they had a convenience store on the bottom and they lived upstairs. Uh Annie was 75 years old. Her sister-in-law was 61 um and they lived together because Nina um uh, Annie's sister-in-law was married to Annie's uh, brother who passed away and the two just took care of each other in the store together. They they ran the store. Annie had been a fixture in that neighborhood of the Miramichi for 50 years owning that store since she was 25. Mm. So everybody knew her. Uh, the police, um, the police would find out about it because Alan would break into the home and um, of the import of the apartment and where he would encounter annie and he forced himself upon her raping her and beating her de- beating her to death before nina would come into her room because she was hearing noises and nina would then get the same treatment from alan wow. so
1: he raped a 75 year old woman yeah okay then now we know he was the one who raped the other lady
0: yep mm-hmm. so and, I, and actually I gotta make a correction on this one uh the husband and wife they both died in the first one it was it was right here in, in my notes I, I wrote it uh, in the wrong spot um Nina the sister from the the 61 year old she was the one that played dead and she would survive so uh-huh. the- the husband and wife died in the first one i apologize i got that
1: oh so then how were they caught because how- of the neighbor? Of neighbor right
0: yeah the neighbor caught yeah the neighbor the neighbor uh identified him so i'm sorry Uh-oh. about that but but this one they uh he set the place on fire again and this time this this is where the firefighters came back and they were able to save uh annie's life so she mm-hmm. made that. but She's, But she survived with uh, pretty good burns because he set her mattress on fire and she had to play dead while the mattress was on fire around her and touching oh, her So she had to literally wait for him to leave the room and leave the apartment for her to roll off the, the, the bed, start rolling towards or crawling towards the living room to where she knocked down a phone and was able to call 9-1-1-1 and before the fire got to the living room they found her and took her out so it wasn't the again i apologize i was going too fast in the story um the husband and wife did die in the beginning but the sister-in-law survived in this one
2: it happens i don't let it happen again <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, sorry, Shane. I'm sorry Yeah, Shane. i didn't mean to do it all right <laughs> Oh man! Okay, so dang, just imagine playing dead while
1: while you're burning, you're burning.
2: That's intense, right there. That's intense. Yeah, I don't know if I could do it.
1: How could you control that?
0: Oh yeah, I mean that's I'd be screaming like a girl. I mean, oh for real,
2: she got more hard than me. I'd have been running, (laughs) screaming.
0: Oh, absolutely i mean just the, the the burning sensation when you like literally touch yourself on the on the stove like i did the other day
2: mm-hmm.
0: and oh. it's like oops you know but but then it freaking hurts and it bothers you all day i can't imagine these people that suffer you know 60 percent burns over their body like how painful that's got to be
2: Damn. Mm. if i burn my hand on the stove i put some butter on it you know and look
1: i'm gonna tell good. you something i went through an experience when i was a kid i was seven or eight and i didn't burn with fire it was boiling hot soup on my back Ooh. and that thing just dissolved my skin off it was the most horrific thing i've ever been through Ooh. so i cannot imagine like literal fire roasting you Ugh.
2: Yeah, that that's she's brave. I'll give her credit for that.
1: Yeah, that's dang. That is some self control.
0: Oh, that is. That is. So
1: I ran out the door screaming to the street. My parents had to go bring me back.
0: (laughs) Oh, and I bet you didn't stop screaming for a while either. I mean, damn, it
1: was horrific.
0: Yep, yep. So, you know, at this point firefighters police get there they're you know they're saving nina the the people in the neighborhood are upset they're already starting rumors that it's alan because he's it's all over the news that he's out and that he's you know on the loose so it's got to be him and um the mayor of new brunswick called in you know the rcpmd or again it's royal mounted canadian police so rmc Whatever, anyway, <laughs>
2: you're over there scrambling over your own notes. Yeah,
0: he called it the highest authorities. Let's just put it together. there. You go, yeah. <laughs> So R-M-C-P?
2: Um, he's like, The RMCP
0: was there too. I don't know, a lot of rap groups, a lot of NWA, all of them,
2: NWA, casey and jojo
0: <laughs> yeah they're all looking for him
2: oh my goodness
0: <laughs> so uh yeah they were frustrated the mayor was frustrated police uh detectives um and then what made him even more frustrated is that alan was a survivalist so he could go to people's name, neighbor- you know homes back homes uh break into stores and just take some supplies and just live for a couple days he was fine mm. And um, the community was devastated. Uh, she had been a fixture in all kinds of things, you know, year round. She was that mom that would make the soup, uh, you know, for the you know, uh, for for the Christmas uh, dinners, or you mm-hmm. know, she was you know did all that parade stuff. She was well in in uh, in the community. She was known for, the, for the neighborhood mother. Yeah, exactly. She was sweet as can be. So people were pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they brought. Uh, trackers up in there. They had special agents. Uh, they were trying to find this dude. And uh, we'd fast forward now to October thirteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, sisters who lived together in a quiet neighborhood of the Newcastle area outside of the Miramichi. Uh, Linda and Donna uh, Doheny. Uh, this one's kind of rough. Linda was forty-one, and her sister was forty-three. Mm-hmm. The sisters were both attacked in their home, both tied up. Now, again, listener discretion is advised. This one's tough. Um, Donna, the oldest sister, was tortured in front of her sister, beaten and raped, then beaten to death in front while her sister was tied up watching the entire time.
2: Hey, man, that sucks
0: blood spatter would be all over the walls Alan finished with Donna to move on to Linda who suffered the same blunt force trauma to the head and violent sexual assault before the house was set on fire
1: this guy's disgusting
0: yeah he he, um, he went to town on these two and Did not hold nothing back. I mean, this was brutal. Brutal. So he killed
2: both of them. I hope
1: somebody took off his wing.
2: Nice. So he killed those two. He killed the older, the neighborhood mom, and he killed the two, uh, the couple.
0: Yeah, he's up to five now. Mm. So that
2: sucks to see your sibling, you know, and something you can really do.
1: You can't do anything.
0: He would later go on to tell. The you know, which hasn't been released, but he would tell investigators on just exactly how they reacted, and just the detectives were just besides themselves with how he carried everything out, and his description <clears throat> of everything. And after the fire was put out, um dental records would confirm it, the the two sisters' fate because that's how badly the place burned. It was. Older, nice wooden home, but it went up like matchsticks.
2: Dang.
0: Yeah, and because of the incompetence of the police and or those jail guards, whatever you want to call them, you know, now these people had, you know, three people and a fourth victim suffered because of this. So... um, Alan Legier, uh, the crime scene was was brutal, and the the murders now made him the most wanted person in in not only the Miramichi area, the Newcastle, the New Brunswick. He was wanted all over Canada. Like they brought in a special another special task force. Uh, this it got so bad in the New Brunswick, New Newcastle, and Miramichi areas up and down that river. That they actually canceled Halloween. Dang. The mayors of those towns and providences all got together with law enforcement and said that he could come out of the woods dressed as Jason or another fictional character and walk among us and kill somebody. We're not we're not gonna risk that. So they canceled Halloween.
1: That's big. That was a smart move.
0: Yeah they were like no we got it we got we to catch this guy now as the heat has been turned up he lays low there's been several sightings of him in the forest but he just keeps disappearing like there's even um a that
1: sounds like that sounds like they're looking for bigfoot
0: yeah exactly because some of the police were like He's almost like a mi- mystical character when he gets into the woods. You can't track him. They they had helicopters. There was one instance where they thought they had him in a certain area, and he actually shot at the cops. They returned fire. They, they sent everybody in. They had helicopters, and he was gone. Like they didn't know where the hell he was. They set up a perimeter, and they couldn't find him.
1: Wow. Dude.
0: And because of this and they tried at least these guys weren't johnson's but they tried but unfortunately someone else paid a price mm. so we have another date and that is november sixteenth, nineteen 1989. geez not long he's <laughs> still out there still out there yep it's father james smith he had been visiting with a local hospital and it's residents who were recovering from either surgery or having babies or who were sick. Just being a good preacher, trying to comfort those in, you know, with the word or just be there for them if they had no family members. there, Right. Mm-hmm. And he stays in the hospital all day till about 9 p.m. Then uh, at night, a passerby had told police that he saw Father James Smith on his porch of his house which is just adjacent to the church looking out towards the woods as if he would have heard something that would be the last sighting of father james smith so
1: a man now
0: yeah man uh father james smith was supposed to lead the morning procession the very next morning but he failed to show up uh, the churchgoers and parishioners were not used to James Smith, Father James Smith, being late, so they decided to give them, give him his own welfare check by getting into the church-owned house just adjacent. They had the key to go in there and try to see if he was okay. Immediately, they saw blood on the floor and they called the uh, the police. And the police got there, and they weren't prepared. They weren't prepared for what they saw. Let's just say that. Mm. Um, one of the detectives said it was the most grisly thing that he's ever seen. Um, Father James Smith was lying on the floor. Get this: his eyes were gau- gouged out. Oh, yeah, they were gone. Um, there was a massive hole in his chest. Uh, blood had sprayed everywhere all over the walls. Um, according to the autopsy's officials, either prior to or his at the time of his death, the killer had stood on Father James Smith's chest, jumped up and down so hard, it broke his ribs, separating them completely from his sternum altogether. Mm. So, he stomped a hole in him. Mm. That's dang. Brutal.
1: Why so okay. much hate?
0: I I have no idea. That one I can't explain. I mean that. I mean I couldn't explain the other ones as far as just the. Well, I couldn't explain the first part, right? But the, the other parts as far as his motives, like I don't get it. Hmm. So, detectives had figured that it was a crime of opportunity. And then he just went into a rage because their understanding was that he was hungry because there was a lot of food missing from the fridge. And it looked like he had eaten afterwards because there was blood on the refrigerator and where he would sit, where he was sitting down. Man, this dude. Yeah, and he didn't care about DNA or leaving fingerprints or shoe prints. There was blood prints everywhere from him.
2: Wow. Wow, that's...
1: I can't believe that.
0: Yeah. And you can can
2: imagine he was probably still alive when he gouged his eyes out.
0: Or even the chest thing, because if blood was spraying everywhere, that means the heart was pumping, right? Uh, and he was still alive. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, police would also find some of Alan's hair there. They would later on through DNA and hair samples match up to Alan. So, even if he tried to lie about it, that was all him. Um, Because he also um, gave himself a haircut when he was there. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And that is going to come into play very soon here as we wind this story up because as he steals Father James Smith's car, it was found at a train station. It hit the news bulletin that his car was missing and an alert train attendant taking tickets spotted the preacher's car in the parking lot in New Brunswick, a train that was headed for Montreal. So they called the police and said i think your car's here your man just got i saw a man fitting the description getting on the train and taking uh taking the train towards montreal and um as he went to go to montreal on the train the police department was notified in montreal uh they they were like all right man we, we're, we we got this guy you know we're looking for a guy with a a big ponytail and a beard and uh so so let's let's find him and, and they have the they have the uh the ticket so they know where he's sitting on the train so when the, you think the story's over because the train makes it into montreal right mm-hmm. and the police are there and they're looking for alan they know he has a tattoo and here's the problem
2: He's not on the train.
0: He's on the train. They get the right guy. They take him off the train, but he has no beard. He has no ponytail. And when they say, hey, can you, um, you have an eagle tattoo on your, uh, on your right arm. And he rolls up the sleeve of his long sleeve shirt and there's no tattoo. What? So the police are like, All right, A, you can go. And they keep searching the train. They think they just got the wrong guy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The Johnson struck again. Mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. Wait,
1: so why didn't he have a tattoo?
0: Because the details that the other Johnson gave him was it was supposed to be on his left arm. Oh, my God. Had he rolled up his sleeve, they would have saw the eagle tattoo, and that was clearly him with a face shaved and the ponytail gone. That was him. So, idiots. They let him go.
1: I would have still checked his other arm.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, and then one of them, like one of the police officers said, Hey, you know, uh, did you check his left arm? They're all, I thought it was his right. And they were like, That could have <laughs> been him, stupid. Oh, no. So, um, Alan got away. <laughs> wow yeah and uh,
1: aye, aye,
0: aye. but where he made a mistake is is that he hijacked a taxi cab and he then got out of the taxi cab when he went a little further he was trying to head west and he gets into a car um or he points a gun at, at someone trying to rob them it's an off duty police officer mm. so she let she plays as innocent as she can he he uh, lets lets her steal her car and they take off and then or she ta- he takes off with her car she calls it in and says it's Alan Legere I know it's him and so now you got all the police going his way and he finds out that they're looking for him again that they're on to him he hijacks a truck with a guy in it but the police have a roadblock they stop him they're pointing guns and he's too chicken to take on the cops and he gives up in a standoff mm. so he's he's finally stopped he goes to jail you know he's 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 a uh, you know caught with no incident he goes to jail he gets nine years for kidnapping charges and the fleeing and escaping of the prison uh he gets another nine years for that so it's nine years on the run for that nine years for the the um again these are light sentences for the for the stuff that he's done i agree yeah and then he uh for the first time and this is canadian history that dna would convict a suspect because they got him convicted on the on the other murders through dna charges Mm. and through the hairs so how long do you think he gets
2: i'm going to go the 25 years eh
1: <laughs> i'm gonna think more i'm hoping this time he got life
2: he probably might have even got death eh
0: <laughs> <laughs> no no death uh but fortunately um they gave him 25 years in 1991 so you would do the math right there and you'd say wow so he'd probably be paroled in 2016. no um fortunately uh whether they did you know they bribed the hockey officials that rule the the criminal justice system um somehow some way He's literally serving life up there. He's 74 years old, going to be 75 in Edmonton, Alberta's maximum security prison. He's never going to see the light of day. They twisted the rules somehow because he is a monster and he's tried to to say that he's um, mentally unstable. He should go to a mental facility, but they've turned that down. They found loopholes and they're running his his, uh, sentence concurrently. He's not due to get out till he's or parole for till he's 99 years old. So he's effectively going to die in prison.
1: Good. Ugh.
0: So that's one time the Canadian justice system got it right. But it, look, look what kind of damage that dude did. But look at the damage. I they mean, did. they would
1: have got it right the first time had exactly. he never been released
0: or never brought, uh, got away. Uh, never, yeah. Hmm. But that's the story of Alan Legere. He was called the monster of Miramichi. Do you two... know what
1: my punishment would have been? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. Taking out innocent people like that, burning them and stomping on people like they're a freaking trampoline. No, I'm good. You got
1: to go. Now, I would have burned them all right, but I would have started with the wing slowly. I'm
0: off with his wing?
1: Off with his wing, but with fire.
0: Would it, would it have been in like a blowtorch, like a slow like?
1: Oh, absolutely! Oh, oh I would enjoy that.
2: I would have been like, "Just kill me."
1: <laughs> I'd be like, "Here you go, mother ever. This is what you get. This is what you put people through."
0: See, I think I think Gabby would sound un, uh, inappropriate at first, but dishing out the pain at because she'd be like, "Whip that thing out." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then it's like burn baby burn now whip it <laughs> and that's what Alan told those police officers those Johnsons when he was whipping them now whip it, whip it good now whip it good
2: Damn, say it. <laughs> That's it all started with a freaking broken antenna and his god dang MacGyver keys yep. and some stinky poopy god dang <laughs> cause you know it stank
1: <laughs> uh yeah, I'm sure it did.
2: He cracked the mess out of that. Probably cut his butt up. <laughs> you know that antenna was that antenna little, was sharp when we had to break that money.
0: Exactly. You know there's some prisoners up in the uh the clubhouse or wherever they watch the TV, they're all they're all hitting the side of the box of the TV. They're all, damn, this TV's working like ass and then Alan's like, If you only knew
2: If only you knew, man. <laughs> if only you know. It <laughs> definitely does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad this bastard is locked up for life, but I'm still—I'm always gonna be mad at how they pay for their crimes.
2: Oh yeah, because it's not when you take a lot.
1: It's
2: not really justice.
0: Yeah, we we rarely have a case that satisfies not only Gabby but all of us. Like when it comes to an offender. You know, because yeah. on, on one hand, you could have people saying, Well, I want him to rot in prison as long as he possibly can. And then there's other people that are like, No, 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 I want this bastard to die. You know? Uh,
1: yeah. I want him on a stake. I want him tortured and I want him literally torched to death.
2: Yeah. Wow. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Don't mess with Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man, well that's it. I mean, if you guys got any final comments, but uh, the only thing I'm gonna say about it is, again, I, I feel for the victims because
2: absolutely, man,
1: they're just living saying. their life, taking care of each other, and uh, especially,
2: yeah, I'm, this to be tortured say- like those two sisters, be handcuffed, and seeing one of your siblings being. Killed and raped in in front of you, and you really nothing you can do. That's the agony, you know. And then the preacher, you know, he's just trying to be a good person, and for him to be tortured like that, like, yeah, that's sick, dude. All of them, all the victims,
0: yeah, most people paid, so
1: man,
2: screw you, Alan.
0: Yep, stupid Alan Lazier. Still alive, man. Can you believe it? I, believe I
1: hope it. he's deaf from his stupid ear. I know, right? I wonder what happened to his ear.
0: Yeah, I wonder. The, the, it doesn't say. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to. When he got rearrested, I wouldn't fix anything on him, dude, no matter what. Oh, no.
2: Does. I can't less if he was bleeding from his nose. All right, put some tissue on it. Yep. Go away so yep Uh, well thank you Todd for bringing down that story for us uh, and uh, I think we're going to come to a close so this has been the Grinding True Crime podcast and we hope you enjoyed it but before we leave quick reminder where you can find us you can find us on YouTube Facebook Instagram just type in Grinding True Crime you can listen to us if you're from the U.S on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and Zencaster. And for those outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Podchaser. This has been another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with the host Matty Matt along with
1: Gabby Gab and
0: Todd Fox. And we are out of here. Toodles. Peace. You come back to the mirror machine, you hear or see, brother? <laughs>